So guys, today we are doing something very, very different. As I usually work night shifts uh, until like 4 a.m., I'm sometimes very, very tired to record. So I asked my buddy UFO Bigfoot to come snuggle with me in bed and make an episode out of that. Oh, he comforted me all night with bedtime stories of Woo Bigfoot, with his own personal experiences seeing a ghost and a UFO that split into 12 glowing orbs. And most interesting of all, he shared stories of his psychedelic shamanic initiations while under the influence of acid. Disclaimer to my listeners, please don't use drugs. As you'll hear per his stories, it is very, very fucked up. And also I should mention that my audio in this episode is really, really fucked up. UFO Bigfoot is the co-host of Dark Notes Podcast, and their podcast is essentially a phone call between two friends where they tell each other stories about Woo, Bigfoot, and other weird shit. So I said, hey, I should also convey the style of their podcast and do a call via the Anchor app. And his audio was great. Mine was shit. I guess that's what you get for playing around with the Cosmic Joker. Bah! Embrace the fuckuppery, asshole! Okay, guys, so today we are doing something different. I am laying in my bed, I've ended my shifts, and I'm laying uh, in the dark, and I am interacting with this large, hairy creature that popped up. And that creature is UFO Bigfoot. Howdy. Howdy. So um, UFO Bigfoot here, also known as Shane, is the host of uh, Dark Notes podcast. Yep. Man, like... (laughs) I like how you did not even notice that I made a sexual innuendo. (laughs) I thought you were able to handle a sex joke because of the stuff you post on your stories on Instagram. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a a 13-year-old kid eternally, so Uh, no problems with sex jokes. (laughs) So why we're doing this now like this is because uh, the Dark Note podcast is essentially formatted like a call and is essentially a call via the Anchor app. I also use Anchor as my host i never tried using this call feature that we're doing now so this is my first time experimenting and i thought wow if i'm already doing an episode with shane let's just do an homage of their podcast format and also like it's very nice (laughs) recording a podcast laying in bed (laughs) it's perfect right yeah now now i see why you guys do that yeah it's just like neither one of us are techies you know and yeah it's just that whole like diy punk attitude of we both got phones and voices we can do this you know yeah and usually like i have been using anchor for two years now usually when people talk about anchor podcasts it's always the first thing you know you think not you but most people think in the podcasting world is oh those are shitty podcasts that only last for a few months like covid (laughs) podcast you know yeah um but the thing is like it's such a cool thing that people don't even need a mic or a computer or anything just recording off the phone and putting something out there as i'd say an audio photograph and i noticed i've 
I've been binging your show. So I I need to be honest with you. Like when I first heard of your show and we, we were interacting already on Instagram and I checked your show and immediately I was like, nope, because, <laughs> because it, it was like a call. Yeah. But uh, when I decided to have you on the show and went into the podcast, I'm like, wow, sometimes when you judge a book by its cover, you, you really miss out. Um, You guys do a show that is essentially like a story time. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah. It's- yeah. It's just, we both, we don't plan anything. We just both find stuff on our own and kind of tell it to each other. And that's the first time another person is hearing it. You know, that's just yeah a groove we've gotten into and we seem to enjoy it. Oh yeah, that that's why I got into the podcast. You guys go into some very deep shit and yeah. you, it's like a story time because both of you get these one-off cases of weird entity encounters and read them to each other from very obscure books. Like I'm very interested to even see what kind of book collections you have yeah. i want to get some of those <laughs> lisa has a really good one i um i've always read a lot and collected books but a few years ago i sold off so i've kind of started over with just the essentials but uh yeah lisa has a lot more and another great thing about the age we're in all this so much stuff is available online you know okay so i i have a like i buy on kindle because i'm in bosnia yeah uh, like to buy a book that is 15 dollars paperback i need to pay like 80 bucks shipping and stuff like that i'm not yeah. doing that um so i buy kindle but uh, a lot of the older books are not on kindle yeah i don't I, know what yeah. to do with them <laughs> I um, always try Scribd.com and Archive. Archive is amazing. And and Archive all free. And um, sometimes, just like in the old newspapers and stuff, you have to uh, be creative with your searches, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Like on Scribd, I found all the old Flying Saucer reviews. Yeah, it's amazing. I love those. I love those. Even I listened to a podcast that you did recently with Lisa where you mentioned some kind it's not a book but it was kind of a journal like entity encounters of 1955 something like that it had yeah. the Kentucky goblins oh yeah it's it's awesome it was just a blind discovery on scribd yeah I, I found was, it too yeah there were probably like did you find it yeah yeah it's great <laughs> okay yeah. so can I can I take a guess what your favorite Bigfoot book is sure is it where the footprints end yeah you got it Both okay on. yeah <laughs> My second guess would be Secret Invasion because, you know, UFO Bigfoot. Yeah, um, both of those are amazing. There's another really good one I like called The Bigfoot Files Uh by Peter Gatilla. That was... Yeah, that was a surprisingly good one. I like that a lot. There's another one I, I just saw, but I don't know much about it. Something like a, the Psychic Bigfoot Connection or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I've been meaning to read that. I've been meaning to get it, but I haven't yet. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, just for the listeners, wow, we've been recording for quite a while now. Uh, can you explain why UFO Bigfoot? <laughs> Your Instagram handle is just UFO Bigfoot. Yeah, I just started getting back into this stuff a few years ago, and those are my favorite cases. Those are the ones where I would read about and just be like, like, oh my god this is insane you know and yeah i just just ran with the name and I what love... cases are, are you referring to the ones where bigfoot is seen with ufos right or or with range light or with a craft nearby okay. or with them you know especially the 1973 1974 wave where it uh-huh. seemed like there were 
stuff like that happening every day what was that the, the pennsylvania Wait. yeah okay yeah but, but there there was stuff happening all over too but the pennsylvania is really crazy Those and you were from uh, north carolina that's i think very near yeah yeah it's not too far mm -hmm. I, I think probably six hours i wanted to ask you this ufo bigfoot are you assuming the extraterrestrial theory of bigfoot or do you not assume that ufo also equals extraterrestrial yeah yeah, I don't I don't assume the ET hypothesis at all. Okay. I, I think that, that, uh, and, yeah. and it's funny saying that with the recent stuff with the Tic Tac UFOs and all that. Mm -hmm. I lost you again. We lost you, man. Where'd you go? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> what happens? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what happens when you go missing? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, man. They want yeah. to silence us, man. <laughs> they yeah. don't want... As soon as you said uh, Tic Tac UFOs, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're trying to make a Bigfoot connection with it. Oh, man. you, you Ah, somebody's really playing tricks with us. <laughs> I mentioned Tic Tac again, and then you you went silent again. Yeah, that that's they've got those keywords in on there. Oh stuff. man! <laughs> so that's that's what I wanted to elaborate to the listeners that UFO does not equal alien. Like if somebody would ask you, uh, tell me a few cases of alien Bigfoot, you'd really be limited. But if yeah. it's like le let's say, tell me UFO cases with Bigfoot, then you know it's a whole thing. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's all very interesting, no matter how you look at it. But the ET hypothesis just doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, you know. Okay, so where do you lie with in, in regards to what Bigfoot is? I think, and this is just purely guessing on my part. I, I it's some kind of supernatural being, some kind of trickster. Uh -huh. um, yeah, it seems impossible to be a, a total flesh and blood creature. And I, I think about this a lot, like, okay, it's this um, supernatural entity. What's the point? You know, you got any thoughts okay. on that? Okay, I have some thoughts. So okay. a lot of people in the friend circles I'm in would say, why can't it be both? Or why, why can't it be multiple things? And there is this aspect in uh, the Bigfoot phenomenon where there are various different types of big, big, Bigfoot encounters. Like some can just be poltergeist activity. Some can yeah. be uh, supernatural stuff. Some can be spook light phenomena you right. know and some can just be a flesh and blood thing so i don't know man it, it's like multiple things overlapping with each other right the like uh multi possibilities i like that there was um have you read the book mysteries in the mist i haven't but i am yeah. aware of it and the other day i did listen to that author being interviewed by joshua kutchin for where did the road go it's really good he has uh especially the last chapter of uh speculations goes into that and uh well, <laughs> as, yeah, as yeah. soon as i heard joshua endorse the book and say like more people need to do this kind of comparative study on just one single specific topic i was like yeah this this dude is something i need to read i yeah. know he had <laughs> a book on on phantom dogs yeah yeah I, I'd, I'd love to read it yeah it's it's amazing ever since i read the book and i went back to reading other encounters from other sources i've started noticing the fog thing all the time like it's like wow this really
really is a, yes. a thing, you know. So, so uh, as soon as I read Joshua Cutchin's first book, A Trojan Feast, yeah, I started noticing a lot of these food drink offerings, mostly drink offerings in alien abductions. Um, I think Antonio Villa's boss was given something to drink, but even if he was not, he was covered in some kind of lotion or something. Then yeah. uh, Betty and Drayson, you know, before they took her to their place, right. they put a tube in her mouth with some liquid. Um, then Carl Higdon, I mean, the dude was offered pills. <laughs> It's a food offering, like from the Fae, but in in the form of pills. It, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and looking at the, you know, the more the more and more you read of this, you look back and say, oh, this is the same thing hundreds of years ago with the Fae and with, you know, it's uh, that has been one of the most eye opening things to me just in the past couple of years is realizing that all this stuff has been going on forever in every culture. You know, <laughs> it's good that you say every culture, so you know that a few days ago I released an episode about yokai in Japan. And oh, wow. yokai folklore is riddled with all these uh, cultural synchronicities uh, that are present in fey folklore. The thing is, uh, we in these circles compare everything to fey and nothing else because the fey folklore was kind of, you know, made mainstream in the Victorian era in literature and now, right, you know, right. it, it's part of Western society. But, like, yokai folklore is full of all these same things. Oh, nobody's wow. Gonna say, yeah, nobody's gonna say these motifs up here in yokai folklore nobody yeah. talks about that yeah but we should yeah i i'll definitely check that out yeah it's very interesting yeah. um and even like a lot of the yokai are just you know uh, made up creatures and made up for entertainment or literature purposes they're not really traditional monsters and yet uh, these same motifs seem to seep into them when somebody is channeling the imaginal and the creative and it's just allowing them to use all the same archetypes that go into these stories right um let me let me read you this one passage real quick if you don't mind no problem uh, this is from mysteries in the mist and i really mm -hmm. like this um let's remember Remember the words of the Ho-Chunk elders that Linda Godfrey spoke with in her research on the Sasquatch creatures. Bigfoot is part physical and part spirit, although extremely strong and as real as any natural human or animal when in physical form. They also believe, however, that a Bigfoot can retreat to its spirit form, which may manifest as a light phenomenon, an invisible force, a dense mist, or a changing shape of shadow and light, and that in this form it can pop back to its own non-physical world by accessing certain places that act as openings between this world and the spirit realm yeah that's much better said than i can say it but uh -huh. uh, yeah that that was the natives the native americans just being like yeah, yeah we know <laughs> and uh, what do you think if linda godfrey actually understood that the same way that author is understanding it yeah. <laughs> because uh, the irony of that is linda godfrey just you know wrote down that and she's a very flesh and blood person yeah she just wrote it down and okay and then somebody else needs to sift through her books and read between the lines to find yeah. something that is much more relevant than she probably gave it credence though i did not read the book where she wrote that so I, I cannot you know say but i'm assuming yeah i've read a couple of hers i haven't stuck with it though yeah i'm currently reading monsters in america and it's it's 
<laughs> it's total trash. Yeah, I'm sorry to one. say that. I've got that one. I'm not not a big fan, but yeah, yeah, uh, it's just like the whole Thunderbird chapter. It's the first one. Yeah. Um, I thought, wow, this is gonna be very interesting. I love the idea of giant birds, and you don't yeah, know what the too. fuck they are. And she reduced it to something so materialistic and boring, like name of the witness, date and time when it was witnessed, where it was witnessed, uh, how long was the wingspan, how high up in the air was this creature, and like, who cares? And <laughs> are, are, are these people ornithologists, you know, how are they accurately measuring the wingspan of something? Right, and well, they... You know, they, there were people saying that about the Flatwoods Monster case and the uh, Mothman, that it was some giant bird that people don't know the difference between birds and something creepy, you know. Okay, so did you uh, listen to my episode, I fake cryptid episode? I have no, I still it. have to, man. Okay, That's so... Interesting to me. I don't know if I brought it up in that episode or not, but I got this idea while making that episode. Maybe it was an epiphany that I got later on after the episode, but let's say the Flatwoods Monster, I've always been of the idea that it's a great horned owl. You know, really? and that, th yeah, well that's my logo of my whole yeah. show and it's Embracing <laughs> Owls. Um, the logo of the show is uh, an owl casting a shadow of, of yeah. Rex. so Mothman. that's the origin of that? Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Like, that is not just materialism debunkery rather the owl either is able to spark some kind of psychedelic reaction in the witnesses right so they over exaggerate the owl into monstrous proportions but what i got what i got in it as an idea with christina because she believes that cryptids are nature spirits that they are elementals right what if there is an elemental or nature spirit that is imprinted onto the owl you know it's not the soul of the owl but rather a spirit that is alongside the owl and once the owl was startled then this spirit appeared before the children or sparked a psychedelic reaction in them you know that's a good point man i had a experience oh my god i was probably 12 or 13 and i've never forgotten it just because it was so bizarre but there was a neighborhood next to mine where half of my friends lived in so and there was like like a half a mile trail through the woods to get there so i would always wait until the last minute till it got dark to go home and i'd have to run through these woods total blackness you know and one night I did that and I got to the end and I stopped to catch my breath and I just heard hoo, 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 like a, the loudest owl who I had ever heard right in my face. Yeah. And I had this, I've never forgotten it. I had a really, really freaked out reaction to it, you know, and it even from even at that point, it didn't sit right with me. Like that wasn't an owl. Something was, something was off there, you know, I mean, that's all so, I got. So now... Right? So now we have not towels. Yeah. Not, not <laughs> Just not deer, or or it could have just been I I came up upon an owl and it scared the shit out of me, you know. Well, I mean, I th I find it very interesting that mundane natural occurrences can kind of echo inside of us and resonate and amplify to monstrous proportions. Right. Good. Point. Debunkers, you know, skeptics and debunkers would say, yeah, it's just an owl and that's that. Moving on. I'd say because I am of the psychosocial hypothesis, I right. don't really believe in the materialism of 
paranormal phenomena, though I am still on the fence. Right. But, okay, I think it is a cultural, sociological, and psychological phenomenon, but it is still very relevant and very important, you know? Right. Uh, because we live multiple realities which overlap with each other. So the owl is just, you know, a biological animal. <laughs> but in our minds, um, individual minds, it is whatever we perceive it as. So it exists as another entity in our minds, and then it exists as another entity in a whole culture as a, as a symbol or archetype. So that puny owl can kind of, you know, change forms into a cultural existence. Right. Right. Very cool. Very cool. And now we have a whole mythology of Braxy where people are making art of her and uh, making documentaries and stuff. And <laughs> it was maybe and probably just an owl. And I think that's so magnificent. And yet, you know, scientists and I'm a biologist, so I know this, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I taught biology and I, I studied it. You just want to reduce it to materialism and put a label on it. And that's that. Nothing else to see here. It's like if they want to reduce movies to somebody just sitting and and reading a piece of paper, you know. Right, right. Without you can't really express the magic that's in there and the, the effect it has on someone, you know. Yeah all these artistic expressions let me ask you something what got you into the gaia hypothesis where did that begin uh biology <laughs> really yeah because uh i studied biology i taught biology and even as a kid like i was obsessed with biology i wanted to be a biologist yeah but learning biology you learn everything compartmentalized and then okay so this is something that i'm going through with the paranormal now because i'm very new to this field it's something that i went through when getting into biology you learn all these compartmentalized things divided from each other right. and you hurry and hurry up to catch up you know catch on and uh, learn all this it's studying you know I, I go on podcasts I I oftentimes don't know anything and I haven't read books and I just go on you know Google Wikipedia whatever just trying to gather as much as information as I can to form cohesive sentences for podcasts right because I am in the process of trying to catch up, you know, with learning this material. But right. at a certain point, when you catch up and gather enough knowledge on these topics, and it's very fragmented knowledge, it kind of simmers in your mind for a while and then starts to kind of merge together. You know, the dividing lines between all these things kind of start blending together. It was like that in biology, um, especially in the fourth year when I studied evolution, because evolution is a synthesis of everything in biology. Everything right. goes into that. So I got into the Gaia hypothesis because after studying, like rigorous studying four years of textbooks and stuff like that, you need to find a way to convey all that to students. And then you look for patterns. You look how you can simplify very complicated things. And I don't know, kind of it all emerges together and starts making sense. You, right. you forget the details, like the textbook details, but you kind of start uh, seeing the big picture of everything. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I first became aware of it when I was in school for horticulture and mm -hmm. um, I met people going to workshops and stuff that were into permaculture and permaculture is pretty much horticulture with the guy hypothesis, you know. Okay. Can you elaborate on that? Because I did not study anything horticulture related. Yeah. It's, it's just an approach 
to the land to growing things that mm-hmm. um, it kind of tries to um, design itself as a natural ecosystem would. Okay, so you yeah. then include and acknowledge, let's say, the microbiota of the soil and stuff like that. Right. The fun- and, fungal uh, networks and all that stuff. Right. You try to create a perfect system where, you know, the yeah chickens, the manure goes to feed the plants. Okay, okay. That, uh, that's exactly what Barbara Fisher was telling me for, for 20 minutes. It's on her own show where oh, really? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. and then she said it again to uh, david perkins when he was on yeah yeah it's fascinating it, it's it's, um, it's fascinating and it's fascinating how as she said like her grandpa who did not know biology already knowed all these complicated concepts just by being right. a farmer exactly <laughs> that's, that, that's the beauty of these yeah i, I totally agree my pa- grandparents were the same way they yeah. they knew all this stuff and practice it without even having a name for it you know so i'm i'm diverging a bit into a tangent but i have a kind of quirky funny story that happened okay. now before recording so me and you we started chatting i don't know how but eventually you were posting stories where like people would go on an app and ask you questions and i flooded you with questions about <laughs> patty's uh, button and boobies i love that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you were you were not having none of that. Like you answered some of them and then immediately deleted them because you were ashamed. <laughs> so I was thinking today, like, should I tell my listeners this? Because maybe somebody will say I am sexist or misogynist for making fun of Patty's titties. <laughs> um, and for those who don't don't know, Patty is the Sasquatch that was seen by Patterson and Gimlin and is on the footage uh, oh, yeah. that has a huge rack. <laughs> that may sound sexist and misogynist, but I was thinking today this, is it truly sexist if Patty turns out to be just a man in, in a suit, in a exactly. girl suit? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking like, I should be a man on a crusade to prove Patty as a hoax, just so I may prove that I'm not a misogynist. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so, there's there's always going to be somebody that doesn't get the joke. There there was a um, yeah. It's interesting you said that. There's there was a guy a few years ago, and I can't remember the guy's name or any of that. But he was from North Carolina. He was from around here, and I think Gastonia or something. And he said that he made the suit. Yeah, I know that. Uh, there's, yeah, there's yeah. even a book making of Bigfoot. I think it's called. Oh wow, there's a whole book. I need to check it out. Yeah, I don't know. Patty looks pretty okay. So, so in order to prove that I'm not a misogynist, do you know who I contacted? Somebody who knows a lot about sexy Bigfoot. Really? Yeah, I contacted none other than Stephanie Quick. You may know oh, her wow. from Six Degrees of John Keel, where she was on two episodes of Sexy Sasquatch. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, Stephanie and I are good friends, we, we chat every day. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So I asked her, like, hey, Steph, what do you think about Patty? Is it real or not? I thought you'd know because of the breasts and female body proportions and stuff like that. Right. And then she said, like, I know I should say that it's a hoax, but I am still on the fence of it. Like, I don't have a definitive opinion yet. I can't have one. Right. And I'm like... And I, I told her like the story and I said, like, I just wanted to contact you because you are the sexy Sasquatch expert. And then she's just like, LOL. <laughs> and then I realized what I wrote to her and just said, oh, no, I meant you're the expert on sexy Sasquatch, but you can be also sexy as well. <laughs> I told her I'm going to share that. She's OK with it. <laughs> 
isn't it amazing after you know in all these years of well the modern years where we have cameras and things that that's the only video where there maybe there's a couple more but that's really the only video where i look at and i'm like "Mm, possibly you know yeah i I don't know man i have been saying everywhere that i think it's a hoax and i got my buddy jordan from campfire podcast to even say on air with me that it's a hoax yeah (laughs) and now people are gonna hate him well thankfully nobody wants to listen to episodes where i i guessed so nobody heard it um <laughs> I'm I'm gonna record an episode in two days with him about hoaxes um, and the value of hoaxing. Oh, cool. I have this idea: like if Patterson Gimlin is a hoax, that still does not mean that Bigfoot is not real. Right. But exactly. also, if if say you have the Patterson Gimlin hoax and you have a real footage of a Bigfoot, but some kind of shitty footage, still Patterson Gimlin is much more valuable and important because it inspired so many people and instigated a phenomenon. And I have right. this idea that Bigfoot foot is an egregore and if it is an egregore the patterson gimlin film is a huge factor which went into manifesting the egregore right it's fascinating yeah i think about that sometimes like all these photographs and um you know the few videos and stuff is like it it would be so nice to know which ones are legit and which ones aren't but there you know there's no way but, but man if it's an egregore does it really matter exactly like egregore is essentially like a talpa but much more vague and created by a collective consciousness not by, by one person right and um, that would explain you know why it's so hard to catch one on video blah 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 definitely but in the end is video really a reliable source of evidence like even yep. video has glitches i i don't think so i think it's a waste of time it's yeah to me uh to um you know nothing against them they can do whatever they want but i'm not wasting my time running around the woods you know it's uh unless that's what i wanted to do not to find bigfoot you know i think a lot of people that's their main obsession is getting evidence some kind of evidence to prove to everybody and it's like why i don't really i have the evidence i've experienced it you know not saying i know what it is you know yeah so can you go into that into your experiences a bit yeah sure i've had a couple strange things happen when i was a kid i was eight years old me and my parents moved to a new house and it was probably the first couple weeks we were there or whatever i was a eight-year-old kid sitting in front of the tv watching tv like eight or eight thirty at night and I just this feeling just came over me like this fear and the fear was don't look to the right don't look in the hallway because there's something there and it's gonna scare you and so what do I do I immediately look and there's this um, lady in white in like a flowing gown floating down the hallway and there's no face no facial features just solid white and um, turned her head towards me I freaked I just put my head down and was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, blah, blah, blah. And my uh-huh. parents were, were outside talking to the neighbors and I knew they were out there. So I just ran, I just got up and ran straight outside without looking, like keeping my head down and went out there, hung out with him, them till they came back in. I never told them or anything. Yeah. At that same house around the same time, I would go to bed and I would hear conversations in the room with me like whispering and laughing and things like that and it just i just remember being a kid being really freaked out about it you know and uh (laughs) 
listeners, should we continue the show? You may say yes, but I say no. For the cosmic joker has been called upon, and this recording is poof now gone. You attempted to mimic another pod and jester around with a trickster god, thinking you're all safe and sound, underestimating forces with which you play around. Well, I say nay. The show is now fucked. And the listeners can share how this episode sucked. Uh, or, hmm, should I bring you back again with glitches to drive your audience insane? Ah, yes. I shall return you now with a single clap to lure you into my trickster trap. Okay, so I asked you uh, before we cut, I asked you, were you the only one in the household who had these experiences? Yeah, yeah. Totally. It's interesting to me how all of these experiences start out when you are a child. Not you, but I mean, experiencers in general. Right. Um, I had an episode with Jeremy Vaney yesterday. It was three hours long, but he did bring up that it is usually like a dangling carrot and uh, in childhood. It's up to you to choose if you're going to engage with the phenomenon or not. And it seems like if you do engage with it, then it follows you throughout the rest of your life. Right. Yeah, it's, it's it's really bizarre. There was a few years there, a number of years really, where I ignored all of that and was kind of, I guess as a teenager, pretty hardcore materialist, atheist type, you know? Yeah. And uh, really didn't think about, you know, that experience or I don't know. It's weird to think about it now. So did you have any other experiences without engaging in it w- w- intentionally? Um, yeah, the... I've had a couple more heavy ones. The biggest one was 2014. It was Christmas Eve and I was moving to the mountains the the very next day. So I was driving to my employer's house to give him all of the sets of keys I had. And it was like 830 at night, Christmas Eve, 2014. And I'm driving my car down the road and this orange ball of light flies right in front of my windshield, like an inch from my windshield and just like that and i'm like immediately i'm not thinking or anything i just immediately pull over to the side of the road i'm like i I gotta see this and i get out of my car and there's like 12 of these balls of orange light right there right in front of me they're just you know i'm standing on the side of the road looking at them they're just hovering there some of them were kind of whizzing around you know and uh like playfully and some were just stoic and like so i'm staring there look I'm standing there looking at him like my mind's just going like, what are these? You know, it can't be a lantern. It can't be this. It can't be that. So I was staring at him trying to figure out what it was. And it, I would look at one and it almost looked like a solid object. As soon as I would think that it would dim out to nothing and then come back up. So it was like, oh, there's no object there. It's total light but there's no source. I I was just blown away, man. It was like I was totally in an altered state. Um, I was just standing there watching these things for probably three or four minutes. All of a sudden, they just all take off one by one, go across this field and blink out into nothing. And that was totally unexpected. You know, I guess that would be engaging in it, though. You know, I pulled over to the side of the road, but it's so weird that I had that reaction. And I've read about other people who see these and they freak out and get really scared. It's like, no, I didn't. I didn't feel that way at all. I was fascinated. You know, you there? You there, man? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. found it fascinating that once you are kind of solidifying them in your mind, 
as you said, the more you thought about them being actual material things, yeah, uh, the more they would kind of recognize this and then intentionally go the opposite direction, uh, dematerializing. Right. It's Go like ahead. the the trickish attitude on Skinwalker Ranch, you know, when somebody yeah. wants to take footage of a UFO, it just goes on the uh, towards the other side. It it constantly does the opposite of what you are expecting of it. Right, the, and the whole experience was like that. It was very bizarre, and um, I mean, the weird. As weird as that is, the weirdest thing of all of that was how, you know, I was going like 60 miles per hour down a country road and this thing just boom, flies right in front of me, you know? Yeah, it was very intense, but um, you still there? Can you hear me? Fuck, man. Ah, you failed to realize right at the start that your dear recording would be broken apart. Randomly fragmented into tiny bits, attempting to glue them together with dumb comedy skits. Be it recordings or just orbs in the skies, anything can break apart before your eyes. When with the cosmic joker you decide to jest, to random fuckupperies you open up to be a guest. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, I asked you uh, when you were driving your car, you saw one of these orbs. Yeah, the re- it went right in front of my car, like an inch away from my windshield. And, and that's uh, what- when you came out of your car, then there was like a dozen of them. Yeah, yeah, I counted them. <laughs> it was... so, okay, when you were in the car, you did not see the dozen of them in front of the car. No, no. Not at all. Just the wow. Moment. Yeah. It's also like the the moment when you are exiting your car, like you are going into a time slip or something, you know? Yeah. You are going through a liminal space, the door of the car. And during this liminal um, transition, the one orb turns into 12 of them. Yeah. Yes, it was... Uh... It, it was very powerful to me. And, you know, I thought about it for a while, for years. Eventually, that experience is what kind of sparked me to get more into this stuff and, and to eventually do a podcast with Lisa. So years after that, I went back, looked up the UFO accounts for that night, and there were tons of them all over the U.S. of the same things, orange balls of light. There were even a couple in there, a couple accounts from MUFON that said um, there were a dozen you know, uh-huh. which I think is very bizarre because some of these, like, uh, like I said, it was de- it was around eight or eight thirty my time, East Coast time. Some of these were at the same time in California, you know, around the same time. And it's like, what were these things just everywhere? Or what what was the purpose of that? You know, I don't know. Okay, so, you know, when people use DMT and they go into the DMT realm, yeah, and there is this notion, like, what if two people take DMT at the same time? Can they find themselves in the same realm and see each other? Right. And this uh, transition where you're exiting your vehicle, it is kind of like you're entering this psychedelic altered state so what if um it's not that these these things are being reported on different coasts of the u.s right. but uh different people on different sides of the u.s are entering the same realm at the right. same time that's kind of what i think yeah yeah it's 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 fun 
funny the uh, because it never at any point during this did I think, oh God, that's a these are from outer space. But there's an entire book written on these, and that's the hypothesis. This guy's totally convinced that there's underground bases where these things come from, you know, and it's all extraterrestrial. It's like I, I never once got that vibe, you know. And then um, yeah, then I started finding these accounts going back through history, especially in my area. It was like always considered, you know, in some places it's considered the fate here in the South. It was always, oh, those are that's dead people. That's the spirits of dead people. You know, it's yeah. just matter of fact. And my mom even told me about when my great grandmother, her sister passed away. They went to her house a day or two later to clean out her house and all that after she had died. And when they opened the front gate, this blue ball of light came out of the house, out of the gate and into the sky, you know, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's her spirit or whatever. You know, it's just uh, these things have been around. OK, are you aware of Joshua Cutchin's new book, Ecology of Souls? Yeah, I can't wait to get it. OK, because he goes into psychopomps and that kind of stuff that these things may be uh, carriers of souls. Right. Not not technically your soul, but rather the entity that helps your soul transcend into whatever realm it needs to go to. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested and in, I'm looking forward to reading those. You, uh, I'm a huge fan of where the footprint's in. So were you later on in your life trying to establish maybe conscious contact again with those orbs? Not really. I, I, I wouldn't say that it, it's something I've it, it ever since it's happened. It's all I think I've thought about it probably every day since it happened. Like it was that profound to me. Okay. And Did that lead you into the shamanic initiations you told me about. Sure. Yeah. My, uh, my psychedelic experiences were anything but formal. <laughs> I was just a punk kid in the early nineties and it, um, LSD was everywhere and it was powerful and cheap. So yeah, before I even drank beer, I was taking acid. Okay. And, uh, this was in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I heard stories of somebody else from the same area and essentially, yeah, in the nineties parties in, in the forest taking acid. Yeah. Somebody I know, I don't know if they want, I'm not saying who it is, but they, saw graze behind oh, some wow. trees and no nobody they were all taking acid but nobody else saw them and right. this traumatized them for life are you there oh shit man yeah it, we, you dropped out for a minute yeah so that experience traumatized them for life and yeah sent them down the road of ufology and alien research yeah and you know that's one thing i think about now is how it was like i was a kid playing with a bomb you know, yeah, there were a lot of negative effects on other people, definitely. And eventually, that's why I stopped. I had a couple bad, bad trips that were really, really terrifying. And I got out of it. But I definitely had a couple good ones. So is there any particular experience that is that resonates with you uh, much? I'm and I'm talking about the drug in, induced ones that you want to share. Yeah, I had one experience that I've always thought about. And I was 16. Me and my friend took it and we're hit in his basement there was something about this time that was different it was like within yeah it was just something different within the period of about 15 minutes this had kicked in and was um full throttle i um immediately went into the trip and lost my ability to speak so and he did too so we were grunting back and forth like ape man like neanderthals and somehow still communicating uh -huh. and 
um, this, I go into this state that is like, I'm living an entire lifetime condensed into a few minutes. And I'm going through all the emotions and all the experiences. And I have my ups and downs. And I'm an old man and I die. When I die, everything just goes to black. Next thing I know, I'm part of the universe being born. Like the cells and multiplying and uh, yeah. creation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I got to go through all that and then came back. And yeah, that was intense. <laughs> so essentially, you you spent a whole lifetime. You went through what is usually called the ego death. The, um, right. And right. then a rebirth. Right. And yeah, this was just on acid yeah yeah and, um it's funny you talk about the collective unconscious there were always archetypes popping up before i knew what these things were you know yeah and um one that seems kind of silly but it's true is i would every trip i would have i would see those little grateful dead bears do you know what those are the grateful dead the band had um mm -hmm. these little colorful bears that were on their merchandise okay and i wasn't a fan of that like i never thought about those things or anything like that but every trip those those would come out of my hallucinations and <laughs> <laughs> like they be dancing in the sky or on the ceiling i thought i thought about it for years like why am i seeing that years later i kind of came to the conclusion well most of the acid was coming from people who toured with the grateful dead and maybe that was so in such a part of that culture that it came out through that substance you know what i'm saying uh, you're trying to say maybe the grateful dead were experimenting and then saw those bears yeah that, that, they like, got the inspiration from from their trips well and also that the significance of that kind of came through in the substance somehow it was like a, the collective unconscious those uh that image was such a part of what was going on you know yeah that it passed itself on through a substance i don't know i don't know it's just just a thought but i had another I'm, i am under the impression that this realm that people go to when tripping on acid or whatever it is something that exists within all of us our brain already has the tools right. for all of that right. but the drug is just something that uh, allows you to uh, more easily get to that state but it's not the drug that's causing this experience uh, the drug is just allowing your brain to easily get into the experience that it is generating itself right yeah it's it's fascinating to read others experiences and be like oh yeah i, I felt that i i remember that you know? also yeah. your experience i mean a lot of people on dmt had those experiences of living a whole lifetime but i'm not aware of lsd uh causing that yeah yeah that was a that one was a good one <laughs> yeah there was another experience i think about too um we me and my friends went to a concert we probably had a hundred hits with us and dosed everybody in the place and we all were too it was another heavy night like that and um i remember so it's like a club with god knows how many people 100 200 people and the band's playing and i start seeing this like goblet being passed around to everybody in the crowd and we're not in jonestown or something yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and I'm like, oh my God, like what's going on? I see, I see this cup going around, everybody taking a sip. I mean, everybody, you know, the, it's not being refilled or anything. Everybody's taking a sip. The, the cup comes around to me. I take a sip. There's still water in it. I watch it go all the way back around. Once it makes a circle, these like like water bubbles start filling the room up in the air. They're floating up in the air. And it was just like, what the fuck, you know? And then 
I never really caught the the significance of that. But then years later, I read uh, Stranger in a Strange Land. Have you ever read that? Uh-uh. And it's um, they had a ritual in there, and it's now part of a, a pagan group called Church of All Worlds, where their ritual is water sharing. It it just kind of uh, went along with this experience, but I had no knowledge of that or anything, and I I don't know why that popped up, you know. And, and what what is that water sharing? Is the water infused with something, or is it just water? Oh, it's just water. As far as I know, it might have been something else. But <laughs> okay, but like, so water sharing is essentially a whole group is sharing sips out of the same water, and then that would be sparking right. what an experience. It, it was kind of like a bonding experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the point of the um, ritual in the Church of All Worlds. It's just, you're my brother type of thing, you know, we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that goes with the, mo- I mean, ancient motif of sharing food with somebody. Right. Because in the old times, like, <laughs> a lot of people would get poisoned. But sh- sharing a table and food with somebody means that uh, you, you can trust that person because that person is not going to be poisoning you. They're sharing the same food with you. Right. I had another experience that same night where I was sitting in the floor and I was watching everybody at the bar, you know, people having drinks at the bar, men and women. I focused in on this group of people every time. It's it's hard to describe, but they're facial characteristics would change to different nationalities. Okay. Every time they would do that, their language would change. So they'd be speaking another language, but this was like every second. Every second. Yeah. Yeah. You there? Are we still able to hear each other? So I don't know if that's questionable, (laughs) 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 but I do realize how bizarre that is. Wow. It's funny. The experiences were so intense. Sometimes it's kind of hard to pull lessons out of it, you know? Okay. But I mean, are you referring to, let's say they would change races? um, Right. would Would it be anything else? Would it be like their facial features are totally changing? You know how, like when people see uh, gnomes, and I think uh, Lisa told you a story of gnomes in a forest in one episode and said that their heads looked like they was, were squashed. Yeah. Uh, was it like that or or just like, you know, changing races? Yeah, they their the characteristics would change, the noses, the cheeks would lift up, the eyes would change, all that. Huh. <laughs> that's very interesting yeah that's... and yet and yet people have uh, experiences with aliens and then take everything at face value right <laughs> somebody sees a mantis and then draws the mantis and says yeah that's exactly what i saw and that is r- this race from that planet blah 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 <laughs> also that kind of reminds me of oh man is it the cherubim the angel that has four faces that uh change constantly oh yeah i never even thought about that yeah yeah uh, did you watch the x-files ever yeah i loved it okay there was that one episode with those um gr- um abandoned girls that could have been some kind of angels or something and then there was this guy who was kind of a cherubim that was hunting them down the and twins? there was one scene sorry were they, t- were they twin girls it, it was not twin girls that, oh. that's from the first uh, uh, season this is from maybe the sixth season right it was a scully centric episode because it was a, re- a religious one but there was this guy hunting them down and he he was kind of a cherubim because there are scenes where his head would be changing between, say, an eagle, a bull, and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. I gotta go back and rewatch that one. <laughs> okay, so did you ever have experiences with Bigfoot? No, I never have. I've, I think I told you the there's a guy I know and trust close by 
and he had an experience about 10 miles down the road. Yeah, it's fascinating. He's just a regular dude. A few years ago, there's right near my house, is a sm- this is where the mountains of North Carolina kind of begin. This is the foothills. Okay. So you have like a, a few tiny little mountains. One of them is, is like 10 minutes down the road. And right beside that, he was driving down the road and there was a woman coming the other way. And this, from what he says, this seven foot tall, hairy monster just kind of comes out and walks across the road into the other field and goes into the woods. And he said both of them stopped their car in the middle of the road and was like, did you see that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, I think he even, he might have. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. I've never had an experience, unfortunately. Okay, so that is, uh, again, liminality. And always with Bigfoot crossing the road. Right. Why did the Bigfoot cross the road? Because <laughs> liminality, dude. But <laughs> also, I know a, a few cases. Uh, let's You know the Selby Swamp Monster in Delaware? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a Bigfoot thing, but it was a guy in a ghillie suit. And he was doing the same thing. He was... <laughs> hanging around the road and scaring passersby until people would start shooting at him. (laughs) I think one guy even, not related to Selbyville, but there was one guy who was kind of doing a Bigfoot hoax and he was run down by a car and died. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that one. So when Bigfoot is crossing the road, you can never know if it's a real Bigfoot or if it's a hoaxer. (laughs) There's some parts where you definitely don't want to play around with that. You'll get shot in a second. And what is your favorite Bigfoot story related to UFOs? Um, My favorite is probably one of the Stan Gordon ones. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this one, but... Um, to be honest, none of his books are on Kindle. Oh, yeah. Because the dude does not want us from outside of America reading his books, apparently. <laughs> or he <laughs> wants, but we, we should pay like a hundred. Yeah, I can read it for you. It's a quit. Do you already have it with yeah. you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, September 27th, 1973, Beaver, Pennsylvania. It was about 9.30 p.m. on September 27th when two teenage girls were standing outside waiting for a ride. One of the girls was visiting her friend who lived in a wooded area of Beaver County. The young ladies were in conversation when suddenly their attention was drawn to a sight that they would never forget. Coming across the road and running toward a wooded area was a seven to eight foot tall Bigfoot-like creature which was covered with white hair. Seeing the albino hairy creature was strange enough, but there was another detail which added to the mystery. The creature was carrying a luminescent sphere in one hand. The girls also mentioned that the eyes of the creature were brownish red. They smelled nothing odd when the encounter occurred. The girls were quite shaken when they ran back into the house. The witnesses told their story to the father of one of the girls who incidentally owned the woods where the creature had been entered. Investigator Bob Boyd went to the scene to interview the girls and the father. It was learned that the property owner went down into the woods a short time after the creature had been seen. His daughter said he was down in the woods for over an hour. About the time that her father had entered entered that wooded area, an object moved across the sky and was initially thought to have been an aircraft. This aerial object also projected a beam of light down into the woods. Those who knew the man said that he was acting unusually after the incident. When our investigator interviewed the man soon after the event, he denied that he went down into the woods after his daughter and friend's creature encounter. The man also stated that there are some things that shouldn't be discussed and that he did not want anyone tramping around in his woods. (laughs) Yeah. So this man uh, who saw the UFO, he did not see the Bigfoot. He wouldn't talk about it. That was the thing. He went into the woods afterwards. After his daughter saw it, 
and they said he was there for over an hour and they saw a UFO flying over that area of the woods. But that when he came out, he refused to say what he had seen. Hmm. Yeah. Because it seems to me like if you have a group of witnesses at the same place in these Stan Gordon cases, right. some of them will see Bigfoot and some of them will see a UFO. It's like the phenomenon assumes the image that best suits the the individual biases of the witness right right also isn't it interesting how with spook lights if it's in a house they say oh that's a ghost if it's in the forest it's a spook light or a will of the wisp or something and if it's in the sky oh it's a ufo they're aliens but exactly every time it's just lights yeah, <laughs> And a lot of these cases start with lights. If you go and read, I have uh, two books. It's A Field Guide to Extraterrestrials and uh, Faces of the Visitors. They're just catalogs of different entity encounters. Right. Um, and very, very different, like uh, <laughs> trash cans and brains of Palos Verdes and, right. you know, various different types of humanoids. Every single encounter you g- go into starts with lights. And then the shit starts happening after right. witnessing the lights. It's always lights and or a noise, anomalous yeah. music or a uh, a strange sound. More, I think more lights than that. But okay, uh, the the sound thing was prevalent in uh, West Virginia with various different cases. Let's say the Veggie Man case. You know that vegetable man. There were humming sounds, and then these similar sounds were present during the Grafton Monster case. Um, what like a humming sound yeah 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 it's very strange it's fascinating there was something else i was gonna say i forgot I, I these lights and these sounds seem like cues which spark, I don't know, an internalized DMT experience. Right. And um, Zelia Edgar says the same thing in her book, Just Another Tinfoil Hat, which is yeah. just excellent. She talks about that in her last chapter, speculations about how those two things always kick off the phenomenon. I know that she is very big on two cases that I love, the Carl Higdon abduction and the Pancake Joe case. I love um, pancake Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, the, this motif of providing water to entities is something that yeah. continues on and on. I know um, there's the Rob water from again. See. <laughs> our strange guy is constantly he made a meme of the case where the two boys uh, offered the the aliens water oh, wow. I think they were like th- throwing rocks at some entities or something yeah. and then after throwing the rocks they asked them do you want water <laughs> oh I man I think I recently read that case it might have been yeah what's the name of that one again I have no idea yeah I know that they went for water and when they came back the entities were gone <laughs> I gotta find that one again so, man, do you, do you need to go sleep? It is here, 5.41 a.m. Oh, wow. My time. Yeah. Wow. I, I had an all-nighter because I work until 4 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely let you get some sleep, man. Yeah. This this was a great time, man. I'm I'm happy we did this, even Good. with the technical issues. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, I don't know, jokes or something. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I insert a, a poem. I sometimes do that, that aliens abducted you. <laughs> I love it, man. Thanks for everything. It was great talking to you finally yeah can you just tell the listeners where they can find you and plug anything you want um yeah dark notes podcast it's on um spotify and youtube my instagram is at ufo bigfoot or uh lisa's is at dark notes podcast that's it yeah I'll link everything in the description. And just for my listeners, like, please go listen to Dark Notes podcast. Like, their style is very punk rock. 
<laughs> DIY. It's I I even do very punk rock DIY content. Just I give it so, a chance. Yeah. Give it a chance because there is a lot of intricate deep stuff there, and I I love it. Like I've been listening to it for a few days now, and I'm like, wow, these guys are going into some intricate shit that the big podcasts uh, never go into. Thank you, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. And actually, uh, you know what happened where Lisa told you this idea she has of the human brain being a key that interacts with the phenomenon. And oh, wow. I, yeah, I shared that same thing on my own podcast a few times already. Yeah, I have this idea of the human brain being a key and the other being a lock that assumes the shape of the key you know because the lock can adapt to the key which is rigid and i told her like i need to have her on the show to expand on these ideas absolutely man yeah i i, I before before you guys just wanted to mention something barbara from six degrees of john kill had talked about doing a humanoid database from the albert rosales stuff yeah i am so looking forward to that i wish i could help uh but i have no computer skills whatsoever yeah I think and, that uh, last time I spoke with her about that, um, yeah. and they are basing it on the Albert Rosales thing. Albert is actually um, still posting all that on Facebook on his group. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I see all, every day. Today, I actually asked Albert, like in the group, am I allowed to read out loud the cases and how should I credit you? And he said, like, he has no problem. Everybody can read his cases. Do this on your show. You, you know that Albert Rosales has those catalogs on um, Amazon. Yeah, I have most of them. There's okay. only a few that I'm missing. Yeah, they're, they're full of information. Like, you can just do random stories, whatever. Yeah. Or, or, or just go to the Facebook group. I think it's Humanoid something something. You'll be able to find it. Um, yeah. He posts new new uh, cases that he compiles. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. 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 See, I don't have any of the new stuff, and I don't have... He uh, actually... Oh, man. I think he either today or yesterday put up a whole PDF document of some kind of Bigfoot encounters. Oh wow! Yeah, so I'm not on Facebook, man. If you would, would uh, could you send that to me? Or yeah, I'm I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna borrow and send it. Then. Okay, well, good okay. talking to well, you, man. <laughs> good talking to you. I really like this format. I'm I'm laying in bed and having fun. <laughs> well, I hope good. the the recording is decent enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a good one, man. Okay, bye bye. Thank you. Bye. There, the show is now ended and. That wasn't too bad. I guess I'm just so tired and couldn't be mad. All I want to do is go back to sleep. Ugh. And get my listeners yawning because they're a bunch of sheep.